Welcome to The Debris. This is where we talk about what was left behind by Hurricane Katrina and the floods that followed. I'm your host, Eve Trow. We're coming to you from WWNO, New Orleans Public Radio. That's a military helicopter in Mississippi right after Katrina, dropping off water, ice, and MREs, meals ready to eat. The Defense Department delivered 21 million of these non-perishable, heatable, edible, well, technically edible, rations to first responders, stranded citizens, emergency workers. Hey, today we're going to talk about the Army MRE, Meal Ready to Eat. Um, This is number 12, and it's the bean and rice burrito, and it's vegetarian. Inside the thick beige plastic wrapper, you might find beef stroganoff, spaghetti and meatballs, vacuum-sealed peaches, or pound cake. Some people here still keep uneaten MREs around a decade later. In the garage, in some pantry corner, a reminder of the storm. It's the kind of thing that you might think about throwing it away and then think, oh right, it's hurricane season. Maybe just hold on to it a little longer. Well, eating was, and is, and will always be a big part of life and the economy around New Orleans. Pretty shortly after the immediate need for food after the disaster had passed, Talk turned to the fate of the city's restaurants. Zagat, like the cat in a hat. Okay, Zagat, okay. That's Tim Zagat on NPR's Talk of the Nation in 2007, talking about the first Zagat's Guide to New Orleans after the flood. Is it clear people are starting to go out to eat more often in New Orleans? 83% of locals are eating out at least as much as they did before Katrina. Almost all the major restaurants are open again. This city is ripe and ready and wants people to come, and they need you. Now, a little trivia. The root of the word restaurant is, in fact, the French verb to restore. And New Orleans restaurateurs, the proprietors, were seen as key figures in restoring the life and spirit of the city. There was an undeniable sense of healing sitting down to a meal at a familiar place, ordering a favorite dish. But there was an irony, too. While customers took relief and refuge in restaurants, many restaurant staffs were scattered, struggling. So many of the people who worked in the restaurants and worked in the hotels lived in the areas that were devastated, and they are now living in Houston and Atlanta and everywhere else. And that's one of the big problems the city has, is bringing back Uh, people who are formerly the backbone of the city's labor force. Rent went way up after Katrina, and those prices have stuck in many parts of the city. Public housing that used to be near the tourist districts, the big brick complexes like Lafitte and Iberville, closed after the flood. Like many cities, poverty in New Orleans is being pushed to the suburbs. One of the lifelines for the service industry today is the Canal Streetcar. Running from the freeway to the French Quarter, it's how many hotel and restaurant workers get to their jobs. Producer Kate Richardson rode along with a veteran and a newcomer. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Feast, F-E-A-S-T. I worked uh, for the Sheriff's of New Orleans Hotel for 32 years, working in room dining. You know, I commute back and forth to work. I catch the trolley, I park at the end of the Canal Street. This parking is real expensive down in uh, CBD. Like $80 a month. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing. The parking lot is right on side of the hotel, but 
I choose another way, you know, a little cheaper. Things was pretty good after the storm when we was getting back on our feet. A lot of people came back and we lost a lot of people. I'll say about half and half. 10 years later, uh, I think I'm, I'm making less money, to be honest with you. Life is up and down, what can I say, you know? Hey, nice to you. have a blessing. You too. Andy Lynch, Palace Cafe, right on Canal. I started at the end of uh, February. I worked uptown for a hot second, then I realized it wasn't for me, so went back down to the French Quarter. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Moved here just over two years ago, and it's probably the best decision I ever made. People are more open. I don't have to have a car to get around. Um, back in school, making good money, have great friends. We were lucky. We found a three-bedroom for $13.75. It is a walkthrough, so, and I am in the middle. I'm ready to move in on my own, but a nice one bedroom can easily top a thousand bucks, which is just a little too much for me. Well, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for talking to That was Jeffrey Feast, 30 plus years, in room dining at the Sheraton, wants to retire soon, and Andy Lynch, proud new resident of New Orleans. Since Katrina, one of the big stories is that New Orleans has more new local restaurants than it's ever had before. There's a food boom, undeniably. But just after the flood, none of that was a given. Anybody want to start? It'll get easier as we go along. <laughs> in October 2005, my neighborhood in New Orleans didn't have power yet. I was staying in Oxford, Mississippi, where the Southern Foodways Alliance invited me to something called the New Orleans Chef's Summit in Greenwood, Mississippi. There was porch music. There was barbecue. There was a lot of bourbon. I won't lie. And there was a big roundtable discussion about everything from insurance to staffing to who would live in New Orleans again anyway, and what would they want to eat? When I went down to uh, check out Bayona a couple of weeks ago, you know, ran into one of my good customers on the street, um, and he was he was out, you know, driving around looking for food to feed his crew that was working on his house and things like that. Susan Spicer had limited staff available to reopen her place in the French Quarter. I think the customer base is going to certainly be a mix of the construction FEMA people and all that sort of thing and, and, and locals that are just people that already have places to live and need to get out. I mean, there's not that many grocery stores open, are there? I don't, I don't really know. And then what else do you have? You have the regular blue-collar workers that are going to be there for a long period of time renovating houses all around the city. Popeyes, McDonald's places, they're out the door with people. Hmm. Bars are packed every night, they said, from workers. Most restaurant owners hadn't received any money from their insurance more than a month after the flood. It was this puzzle. If you filed for certain types of money, the clock started ticking on when you had to reopen. And if customers weren't back, then was it better to wait? Have I lost our customer? Yes. Um, John Besh of Restaurant August related that situation. Huge amount invested in banquet space, and every convention is now wiped off the slate. The kitchen and service staffs were a total mixed bag. We had um, 57 employees. We touched base with all of them. Most of the cooks, I've... Um, you know, we found jobs for them everywhere from D.C. to New York. So these guys are, and gals are all over the country right now. A lot of the dishwashers, God bless them, have had a chance to get out of the city and see what life is like north of I-10. They're able to actually live in better housing and they have 
I hate to say, a better opportunity outside of the city than what they had. I'm speaking for a couple of people, that I'm actually glad that they got out. Some were waiting on schools to reopen for their kids and their customers' kids before they thought about reopening their restaurants. Chef Leah Chase of the Creole Dining Stalwart Dookie Chase noted a different clientele than some of the others at the table. In my case, I, I have a big takeout. All my takeout business gone. Across the street, I don't know if anybody will come back. That's gone. Across the street from the shuttered Lafitte housing projects, her restaurant did take a bit longer to reopen. Well, my two bosses down there might disagree with me, but I'm going to open <laughs> Rain, Chad, Hello. High water if it's just me. They say high water. Today, it offers buffet service. It's usually packed for lunch, offers dinner too. Leah Chase has won many awards and even hosted President Obama. Well, Chef John Besh, who was there at that meeting, has seen his career take off since Katrina. Now he's the owner of several restaurants, the author of several cookbooks, and a frequent guest on TV shows like Top Chef. We sat down in the dining room of his restaurant August to catch up on how some of those questions of 2005 played out. I had no real expectation of what would happen. I certainly thought that the rebound of New Orleans would be much slower, much more gradual. And prior to Hurricane Katrina, we were stuck in our father's clothes, kind of doing things the way that they always had been done. Katrina was really that time that brought about the breaking of rules. If you had to get things done, you're gonna break some rules to get it done. In restaurants, you're dealing with every strata of society, from the suppliers who are coming in, to the people working in the back of the house, washing dishes, to, to the investors who are funding. How did you see that in the years progress. As far as you know, my staff is concerned, I've seen my cooks grow to be James Beard winners and now my partners and my businesses. Former dishwashers climbed to new levels in the kitchen where I've got Sean that has been with me for 20 years. He made it clear to me that one day he wanted to run his own staff in the kitchen and so he's in charge of all the oysters and oyster shucking at Luke and so and he's proud of that and so it's it's just fun to see like people achieving the goals that they've wanted to achieve over the past 10 years. The, The actual tale of two cities might be less profound than it was back then and for that matter when I look and I see the young restaurateurs that have um really made such a huge impact in our city that wasn't possible 20 years ago and you needed you know you had to come from one of the big restaurant families or you had to have um big financial backers and now people are just breaking those rules and saying i'll I'll go into a neighborhood that isn't designated to be the greatest neighborhood for restaurants and i'll put my own shingle up and start cooking that's also fueling growth in other neighborhoods And at the same time, it feels that then New Orleans has become a little bit more like other big food cities, like New York, like San Francisco, like Los Angeles. So how do we uh, balance that holding on to tradition and yet also take our place among the, the great cities for food in a contemporary way? Yeah, how do we retain our culture? That's a good 
question because that's what it really comes down to. Even though we have so many different offerings of restaurants than we probably ever historically have had, I think we retain it because the people that move to New Orleans are moving here in a conscious decision to become a part of New Orleans. They're going to do their spin on it, and that I think that's a beautiful thing, but I think it's only beautiful if we help raise the people of New Orleans up with it, and that's the only thing that I fear, and that's why we created our foundation mm. in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. I looked around our uh, brigades of chefs and how many of them were black, how many of them came from inner city New Orleans, how many of them had a real shot at the kind of economy that Emerald and I have gotten to share in. I think it's our job to make sure that those that need an opportunity, that want an opportunity, have an opportunity because generations of New Orleanians that have been here before have made this culture what it is. But we also can't dictate where it goes. I think we have to allow it to happen. Hmm. What do we see in this restaurant, in Restaurant August, your flagship in many ways? Um, is there anything here in the daily operations, in the food, that feels like it was impacted by Hurricane Katrina anymore? You would have had to have known us before. Prior to Hurricane Katrina, I was a fancy restaurateur, more concerned with magazine articles on the walls than anything else. I had a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to be the best and blah, blah, blah. You came here, you had to order the tasting menu, nothing a la carte. It was all about me. After actually feeding people that were hungry, it changed my life forever. It changed this restaurant in such a way that this restaurant really and truly became a cornerstone in, in the rebuilding of New Orleans. Not because of me, but because of all the people that played a role in it. I thought for certain I would be out of business, but we would go out of business doing the right thing. And now that you know, when we're thriving, I don't take and we don't take any of it for granted. So it's a place that almost memorializes the rebirth of New Orleans. Does it matter for people to be conscious of what the city went through? Is it just a gift that you can give people that we are where we are now and they can enjoy the warmth and hospitality without having a chip on their shoulder about what happened here? That chip that many of us wore that, you know, as we, you know, I'll never forget about the um, Alan Richmond article that came out um, just after, you know, what, a year after the, the storm and complaining about, you know, the wrong vintage of a wine that he had here. And, you know, and I'm thinking, don't you realize that most of our employees are still homeless? You, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, I had that chip on my shoulder for so long. Now, at this point, I think we can be confident in who we are without having to lean on the past as much. John Besh of the Besh Restaurant Group. We're sitting here in his restaurant August. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. One of the big issues that came up at that chef summit of 2005 was wine. Yes, the need to drink it to cope, but more than that, what it was worth or not worth after Katrina. Imagine thousands and thousands of bottles left for weeks or months or possibly flooded. Well, a longtime wine consultant in New Orleans uncorks that story. Well, my name is Mark Peltier. My position is wine and spirits consultant. The, the big effect for, for us as a company uh, was the heat damage to the wine. 
uh, with no air conditioning, no, no refrigeration. Uh, the wine was uh, severely damaged, damaged beyond repair, if you could repair a wine. We filed a claim with our insurance company uh, on for, goodness, it was over 20,000 cases of wine. And we had a, a, an independent taster hired by our insurance company that purchased bottles in another market, brought them to New Orleans, and we tasted side by side wines that uh, had gone through Katrina in our warehouse and wines that were fresh from another market, the exact same wines. And wine by wine by wine by wine, I think about 10 different wines, each of the ones from our cellar showed uh, extreme heat damage. They sell it uh, basically to a salvage company and the salvage company then sells it from that point. I think a lot of the, the wine from our cellars probably ended up in resorts and such in South America, Central America, Mexico. I think we have one bottle left in our cellar at home uh, that was a pre-K bottle, pre-K purchase, and I think that's the only one. And um, it's a 2002 Von Romanet from a producer by the name of uh, Ligier Belair. And I kind of got my eye on that one to open this, this time. And uh, if it's bad, there will be a backup bottle of something else. Mark Pelletier, wine and spirits consultant at Martin Wine Cellar, with what he'll be drinking this August for the 10-year Katrinaversary. And with a good lesson from the flood, you always need a backup plan. And that's where we'll put down this piece of Katrina debris. You can find our podcast every week through the end of August on iTunes or use the podcast app on your smartphone. Just search for Katrina the Debris. Our producer is Kate Richardson. Digital director is Jason Saul. Paul Mawson is general manager of WWNO. Special thanks this week to Janet Wilson and to Besh Restaurant Group. Katrina the Debris is produced right here in New Orleans. If you like it, you want to hear more, consider giving to support New Orleans Public Radio. You can do that at wwno.org. Support also comes from Dirty Coast Press. Learn more about their locally designed and produced products at dirtycoast.com. I'm your host, Eve Tro for WWNO New Orleans Public Radio. Until next time, be well, be good, be safe. And thanks.